You can tell we are beginning a series that's going to last us the next four Sundays. We're calling it Christ-Centered Emotions, uh, or Emotions and the Christian. How do we respond to emotions? And uh, obviously we all have emotions, and we face them uh, consistently throughout our day and week and throughout our lives. And some of them are frustrating and difficult to deal with. And of the four weeks, we're going to talk about three that are like that, that are, that are difficult for us to deal with and try and find some help and some assistance. Uh, let me say up front, I'm going to do my best not to cough. I'm at the tail end of a sinus infection. I'm on antibiotics, so I'm not going to make anybody sick. But I know I don't sound like Mr. Voiceover. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to just do my best to get through here. And uh, we're going to trust God to... Uh, to teach us some good things and some valuable truths about emotions. Um, I want to point out something, though, now, and we'll mention it the next several weeks so that you can remember on week number four, that is May 19th, uh, the week after Mother's Day, in the evening down at Yorktown at 6.30, we're going to have a panel discussion specifically on the topic that we're talking about today, dealing with anxiety and depression. Uh, so if you know someone who's facing that, uh, you know someone who has uh, situations where they're uh, facing uh, various anxiety-related issues or uh, depression. I want to encourage you to have them come. I'll be sitting on that panel. Pastor Joey, who heads up our counseling ministries, among other things, at, uh, your, at Coastal, is uh, going to be moderating that uh, evening, uh, that discussion. Another uh, pastor from our area who's a licensed professional counselor will be there. Uh, and I think Bethany Lay is going to be the other member of that panel. So uh, it's going to be, I think, a very useful time. It'll be kind of interactive. And what I want you to think about is you can also use your Connect card to submit questions, okay? Uh, and as much as we have opportunity, we'll try and make that panel pretty, pretty interactive so we can answer questions that are on your mind as it relates to the topic of anxiety and discussion uh, and uh, depression. It's, it's really, to some regards, in some ways, a little difficult to address topics like this because they're so broad. When you talk about anxiety and depression, I mean, there are actual disorders, clinical disorders that are listed under anxiety and depression. And we're doing them together basically for this reason. Of the people who come uh, complaining of dealing with anxiety, about 50% of them also present symptoms of depression, and the reverse is also true. Very many people, about half, who come struggling with depression also are facing anxiety. So we're, we're touching on them together. I think they're uh, pretty important from that vantage point. I want to start with something a little bit lighthearted. Can we do that? I, I, I've uh, questioned for several weeks whether I should even read this thing, because I think it's really funny. But in the culture we live in, sometimes you read things that seem funny, and all of a sudden you seem like an insensitive jerk. So I hope that won't be true, and I hope you won't just get up and leave after I read it. But So to kind of start in a little lighthearted manner in our discussion on emotions, let me read for you the following. Uh, welcome to the mental health hotline. If you're obsessive-compulsive, press 1 repeatedly. If you're codependent, please ask someone to press two for you. If you have multiple personalities, press three, four, five, and six. If you're paranoid, don't press a number. We know who you are and what you want. If you're delusional, press seven, and your call will be transferred to the mothership. If you're schizophrenic, 
Listen carefully, and a small voice will tell you which number to press. If you have a nervous disorder, please fidget with the pound key until a representative comes online. If you have amnesia, press 8 and state your name, address, phone number, date of birth, social security number, and your mother's maiden name. If you have short-term memory loss, press 9. If you have short-term memory loss, press 9. <laughs> There's something about emotions that uh, maybe it's good for us to laugh a little, right? We, sometimes we struggle, and I'm not going to be addressing in any of these. Pastor Sean, I'm looking forward to him coming next week. He's going to deal with the topic of handling anger as a Christian. Uh, we're not addressing the, the far-end spectrum disorders. There are those. Uh, what I want to focus on is the realities of dealing with anxiety or depression that face, I think, a lot of people to, to varying degrees. And we have, uh, in our particular area we live in, of course, we have people who have uh, dealt with and faced PTSD, one of the forms of depression. Uh, we have people who face all sorts of anxiety disorders. So it is, it is really no laughing matter when you are in the midst of struggling with these things. If you've ever struggled with things like uh, panic attacks, uh, things like that, it can be debilitating. Uh, my intention, uh, because I'm not a medical doctor, I have not, my, my uh, degrees are not in, in any medical discipline whatever. They are all in theology and uh, biblical uh, studies and in preaching. And so uh, my, my desire is to draw our attention to the scriptures and hopefully give you some handles to use in facing these things. I think this, the reason to start with this particular topic first, uh, if we can do stats here for a minute, something like 40 million adults struggle with anxiety or depression every year. That's like almost 20% of the U.S. population. Um, so it's, it's a big deal. I'm not going to try and oversimplify or minimize, but I am going to try and give kind of a quick sweeping, here are some of the causes and here are some of the remedies that I think scripture offers us. This I do know, there is hope. And if we believe in the sufficiency of scripture, then I believe that the majority of what we deal with by way of anxiety and depression can be addressed, can be helped by uh, focusing on some things that I think the scriptures will help us with. So that's where I'm going to spend most of my time. I'm going to run a lot. This is not our usual bread and butter of expositional teaching. Uh, this series, these four weeks, is very topically oriented. So I'm going to be going to a variety of places. I've even put little tabs in my Bible so I can get there quickly. So if you don't want to keep up, most of them will be here on the screen. You can kind of look along as we go. But let's begin with some of the causes of anxiety and depression. This is one, and you notice our, our things are at the bottom here, so I don't know if they're going like, to be added as we go, but uh, there's our bullet points. Causes of anxiety and depression. The first is this. Sometimes there are, in fact, a chemical or physical imbalance that affect anxiety and depression. I'm not going to do much to answer that because, again, I'm not a medical doctor. I don't have that. I do know that there are some things like that. I'll use this phrase again as I get into the sermon a little further. There is a, a phrase that Pastor Joey has used on several occasions I've heard, and I like it a lot. 
Everybody who faces anxiety and depression needs biblical counseling. Some people also need medication. So what I'm going to give are the causes first, and then we're going to come back and talk about some of the remedies. So first cause can be chemical or physical imbalance. We just simply don't know enough. God understands our physical well-being and its connection to our mental and emotional well-being, but we don't understand enough to really put definitive statements around how this part of our physical being affects this part of our emotional or mental well-being. So I think it's a little dangerous to make too many categorical statements. Uh, we have every, every extreme, even in the Christian world, from there is, uh, if you have anxiety and depression, you just need to go see your doctor. There are pills for that, to you should go see a counselor. There's never any excuse for taking medication. And it seems even in the Christian world, there are these two vast extremes. It seems to me reasonable to think there's something in the middle that's a little more effective. Some people do have chemical or physical imbalance. But here is for, for the, the many types of anxiety and depression that are not primarily physically sourced. Let's talk about some of those. First, emotional struggle. And for that, I want you to go to Psalm 42. Psalm 42, written uh, by the sons of Korah, uh, one of the first that is not put in the Psalter anyway, written by David. There are several things here that I think are are valuable to understand anxiety and depression. These are somewhat familiar verses to those who've been around the family a while. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. I sense, let me stop there for a second. <coughs> Sorry. I'll keep that water nearby. I sense in those words some, some loss and some abandonment. People who have faced issues like that, who, have, who struggle with loneliness, often struggle with anxiety and even depression. Verse 4, these things I remember as I pour out my soul how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. I think memories of better times sometimes cause depression. We think back and get our attention focused on what we may commonly call the good old days. But I want to I remind you of something that I know if you've been around for any length of time, you realize the good old days get better the further you get from them. When you were living them, they weren't necessarily the good old days, right? There were things good about them, but our memories tend to, to absorb and remember the good, and sometimes that becomes difficult because we go back and we remember, oh, this was good, and that was good, and I remember that, and that, and that, and it can feed uh, emotional struggle because of, that causes anxiety. And even confusion and perplexity. Verse 5, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? I think sometimes, uh, as I've talked with people who struggle with uh, these kinds of emotions, I, I hear often, I don't even know what I'm anxious about, or I don't even know what I'm depressed about. I don't know what's causing this to happen. 
And sometimes that very fact causes more anxiety, right? I just can't figure it out. I don't know what my problem is. Emotional struggle. Sometimes it's exhaustion. I'll drop down to, to, let me just read verse 7 for you here. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. I sense in here that that uh, these guys are writing out of a struggle with, with trials, with uh, things that have become burdensome to them, and so they're, they're becoming exhausted. There are other places in the scripture that I remember things like this. I think of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19, where he wasn't caring for his physical needs. You remember chapter 18 is this great great uh, battle between Elijah and the prophets of Baal and, and God wins. You know, he, he does this amazing miracle and proves the prophets of Baal wrong and proves Elijah right about who God is and who is the real and true God. And Elijah has all the prophets of Baal slaughtered and there's this great victory for God. And uh, then Jezebel, and we'll come back to her in just a second, but uh, threatens his life and he begins to experience uh, fear and he runs, but it's, it's exhaustion that uh, I'm interested in. Verse 4 of First Kings 19, he himself, that's Elijah, went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and he asked that he might die saying, it's enough. Now, O Lord, take my life for I'm no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. (coughs) And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he rose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to horror of the mount of God. Elijah needed just some nourishment. He wasn't caring for his physical needs. He'd been so busy having this victory for God, he hadn't even taken time apparently to take care of his physical needs. Sometimes you just got too many plates spinning at once. Luke chapter 10 is the occasion with Lazarus being raised from the dead, but he's, uh, there's an interaction between Jesus and Martha, one of the sisters of Lazarus. And uh, she is all upset. Jesus has come uh, to, to be at their house, I should say, and, and uh, she, Martha's just running around, fixing everything, doing everything, fixing dinner, getting the house looking right. Everything's, you know, all this stuff being done. And she goes to Jesus and said, would you please tell Mary, I'm summarizing, of course, (laughs) would you please tell Mary to get off her tail and help me? She's just sitting in here because Mary was just sitting at the feet of Jesus. And this was Jesus' answer to her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. Sometimes... Our exhaustion comes because we've just got too many plates spinning at once. Most people who struggle with anxiety will say, yeah, but I can't let any of these go. We'll come back around to that. Now I'm back in 1 Kings 19 again. And I want to talk about a fourth source, a fourth 
cause of anxiety and depression that I see in Scripture, and it's fear. Verse 1 of chapter 19 of 1 Kings, right after this great uh, battle between the prophets of Baal and Elijah, between God and this non-God, Baal, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me, and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Fear will cause anxiety. Fear of man, fear of what someone else is going to do, fear of what someone else is going to think, that causes anxiety. And fear of failure, verse 4. He, went, he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a broom tree, and he asked that he might die, saying, it's enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life. I'm no better than my father's. Other prophets have tried this. Other people have come and tried to honor your name. Other people have tried to lift you up and magnify you in the eyes of these nations. It's just not working. I'm no better than anybody else. I can't make this happen. I'm, I'm a failure. He's struggling deeply. So emotional struggle, uh, exhaustion, fear, all of these things can cause uh, anxiety and depression along with occasionally physical issues. The last one that I think we cannot neglect is the possibility that it may be sin. Genesis chapter 3 Early on in the history of mankind and in the record of Scripture, we find just three chapters into the book, Adam and Eve have sinned. They have taken of the tree in a situation of perfection and innocence, in, a, in an instance when there was no inducement to evil inside of them. Still, Satan came in the form of the serpent and tempted Eve and said, oh, you're going to be like God if you eat that. It's amazing. He's holding out on you. So she took of the fruit and she ate of it and she gave it to her husband and he took it from her and he ate. And then the eyes of them both were opened. They knew that they were naked and they were afraid. So they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Verse 8 they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And then on it goes, and they start making their excuses. A man says, well, it was my wife's fault. And she says, yeah, well, it was the serpent's fault. And everybody starts blame shifting and all of this. But bottom line, their instinctive response to the very first sin in mankind's history was fear and hiding and anxiety. Sometimes it is that there is sin in our life that we are not addressing. So with all of those options and all of those possibilities, what are some of the remedies? I'm not going to go point by point uh, and give you the solution for each of them. It's fr first of all because it's not that simple. 
If you've ever struggled with this, you know it's not that simple. But I think that there are some things that we can remember. And the first of them is a direct correlation. If there's a possibility that this is a physical, a physically related issue, go see a doctor. I can't tell you how many people have come to me for counsel and especially about issues like this that I have said to them, when's the last time you had a physical? It's been a few years. And I tell them this, go see a doctor. Go get a physical. Go find out how you're doing physically. There may be components to this that I'll never be able to help you with because there's something up physically. There's some kind of imbalance going on. It's possible. And honestly, if they'll go three or four sessions into meeting with me and they still haven't made an appointment to see a doctor, I'll tell them, listen, let's wait till you get your physical. Let's find out what's up. Let's find out. Make sure everything is good, okay? Again, everyone needs biblical counseling. Some people also need medication. Pastor Joey says that all the time, and it's really valuable. Get in shape. I know I should have somebody else tell you that. I'm working on it. I've lost a few pounds, and I'm working on losing some more. And listen, we live in a society where we are, as a nation, generally overweight, out of shape, and we don't get enough sleep. Those are breeding grounds for anxiety and depression. Get in shape. Get some exercise. Get enough sleep. Don't say, I can't. These things are really important. (laughs) You have to get sufficient sleep. Find out what is sufficient sleep for you. Find out what you need to do to get yourself some exercise so that you can feel better. Your physical well-being affects your mental and emotional well-being. Secondly, and now I want to go to Psalm 62, focus your attention on God. Nate read these verses, some of these verses, to uh, the worship team this morning just before we came in here to uh, worship the Lord together. Verse 5 of Psalm 62, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Sometimes, many times, my experience is people, especially people who are struggling with anxiety, They need some quiet time. They've got to sit down and take some time and focus their attention on God. Now, either God is a refuge for us, either we can trust in him at all times, either our our salvation, our stability, God is my rock, either, either those things are found in God or God's a liar because he says that's where we find them. So one of the things we need to do is to spend some time focusing on God. Wait on him. Take refuge in him. Trust in him. Pour out your heart before him. Secondly, focus on the gospel. 
just a couple pages over in the Psalms to 66. This is an interesting little section of Scripture. The psalmist writes down beginning in verse 16, Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly, God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. This is an interesting psalm to me, and a, a section of scripture where the psalmist seems to go back thankful for what God has done in bringing healing and bringing uh, victory into his life. And yet he remembers and thinks, you know, if I had cherished iniquity, if I had allowed tolerated sin in my heart, God wouldn't have heard me. But he has heard me. So the, the principle I'm drawing out of this is sometimes we need to focus on the gospel. We need to confess sin. We need to keep short accounts. We need to make sure that the source of my anxiety and depression is not because I'm tolerating sin in my life. It's never healthy to do that. Romans chapter 8. I've given this as an exercise to people before when they come to me struggling. I tell them, go home and, and come back after having read some of this section in Romans 8 and other passages of Scripture that I give them and tell me who you are in Christ. Tell me who you genuinely are if you're in Christ. Beginning in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we're being killed all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. How can you be more than a conqueror, right? I mean, if you're the conqueror, you win, right? Who's more than a conqueror? Someone who cannot be conquered. In Christ, we are more than conquerors. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation shall be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Who are you in Christ? Sometimes we're so busy trying to figure these, this stuff out that we don't take time to go back and focus on the gospel and remember who we are when we're in Christ. And keep your attention on Christ. Back to the uh, account of Mary and Martha. Jesus said, Martha... Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Mary was hanging out with Jesus. She was literally there in the room, sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to him, while Martha was running around trying to get everything done that just had to be done. And Jesus said, only one thing is necessary. 
Anxiety would have you believe that there's nothing that's going on in your life that you can let go of. Anxiety would have you believe that if I don't take care of this, nobody else will, and there will be horrible results. Anxiety makes everything seem equal in priority. I cannot let any of these plates stop spinning, or bad things will happen. So ask yourself, what would happen if I stopped worrying about my income? Now, we got to have a job. we gotta, we got to work hard. We've got to have an income. I'm not saying, you know, quit your job and sit around, you know, moaning and saying weird phrases. <laughs> but what happened if we stopped worrying about money? What would happen if we stopped worrying about what everybody else thought? What would happen if I, if I quit thinking, yeah, but if I do this, so-and-so is this? And if, what, what if I say this? What if I start with an illustration in my sermon and somebody gets offended? What if we just quit worrying about that stuff? What if I let some of the things that I think I can't let go, what if I let one or two of them go? Martha, you're worried, you're anxious, you're troubled about many things. Only one of them is necessary. And I'm not going to take that from Mary. Next, focus on hope. Now I'm back to Psalm 42, where we started. Verse 5, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation in God. And that same verse is repeated at the end of this psalm. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you at turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him. Focus on hope. Whatever you're facing is not permanent. Whatever you're facing is temporary. However long it's going to run, if you're a follower of Christ, better days are coming. Next, rehearse God's goodness. Someone in the worship team this morning uh, quoted these verses as they were praying from Lamentations chapter 3. This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Rehearse God's goodness. It makes sense, doesn't it? If sometimes remembering better things in the past gives me some reason to be depressed now, perhaps rehearsing God's goodness and what he has done to bring me to where I am today will help to lift the struggle. And then lastly, and I'm going over to Philippians chapter 4 to finish. Consider the benefit of thankful prayer. Some people look at these verses as a kind of a chastisement. It's in the middle of a sentence, but Paul says, beginning in verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. It's not that, that Paul is saying, what's the matter with you? You should never be anxious. He's saying, don't live in anxiety, but here's what you do instead. 
in everything, through prayer and thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And what will be the result of that? Verse 7, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. (laughs) Thankful prayer brings to me a sense of peace from God. That's what we want when we're anxious, right? We, wanna, we don't even want to know that everything's going to work out just exactly the way we hope it will. What we want is for that anxiety to go away. I just, I just want some peace. Consider thankful prayer as a possibility. Listen, let me give you a couple of thoughts to take home. I've got to I gotta wind this up. There are dozens of things we could talk about and think about. I've just I've wanted to give you some handles to think through. You don't have to live in anxiety and depression. If you are struggling with anxiety or depression, there is hope. I would encourage you to seek biblical counsel. Coastal offers this. I'm willing to meet with you. We have a whole kind of department, if you will, at Coastal. Pastor Joey heads it up. He's got his doctorate in biblical counseling. He's a, he's a godly man, and, and uh, he would be happy if you are really struggling with debilitating depression or debilitating anxiety. You, you don't have to suffer alone. There is help and there's hope. If necessary... Allow a medical doctor to assist you in caring for your physical health while you pursue emotional and spiritual healing. I'm, I'm glad that, our, uh, that Christianity is finally kind of catching up to reality. We've, we've looked at things like this that when there are some physical components to it and we've thought, oh no, well, Christians just shouldn't be depressed. Well, Christians just shouldn't be anxious. Obviously, there's sin in their life. Well, that's, that's an extreme answer to a very varied situation. Uh, if you have diabetes, you take medication. <laughs> if you have uh, other physical maladies, you take medication, sometimes short-term, sometimes longer-term. If you have a physically sourced anxiety or depression I think it's downright valuable to consider talk to your doctor, preferably a doctor who understands uh, the things of Christ, who's committed to the things of God, who's not going to just you know, slap on a medical Band-Aid to try and make you feel better. The point isn't just to make you feel better, but to help you learn how to manage your anxiety or your depression. And sometimes, for a period of time, medication will help you do that while you delve into some of these other things we've talked about. It's such a broad topic. There's so much to be talked about. I, I hope that'll be some help, some encouragement to you. If you uh, know someone who's struggling with it, man, let's, let's do our best to help. It, it doesn't have to be as bad as it is for, well, for any of us. We can, there are steps to take that can give us some help and some hope. So uh, I I trust that will do that for you this morning. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back. They're going to sing another song. We're going to go out of here singing, and uh, I'm going to pray before we go, and uh, then we're going to enjoy some time to worship the Lord as we leave. I trust you'll enjoy a good day. Thanks for coming. I really do appreciate your being here. Father in heaven, 
uh, I am really grateful for, uh, for the truth of Scripture. Lord, I, I suspect, uh, even in our group here this morning, there may be somebody who's uh, struggling with anxiety or depression and has come in here burdened and weighed down, and I pray that hope that we've offered will be an encouragement. I pray, Father, that you would uh, bring comfort, uh, bring strength, bring encouragement, Lord, do what you need to do in our lives. We are grateful for the, the truth of the gospel that Christ has come, that between us and you all is well, and though we have circumstances in our life that uh, cause us angst, Lord, I pray that you would help us to keep our focus and our attention on you and on the hope that there is in Jesus. Take us from this place rejoicing today, Lord. <coughs> For I ask in Christ's name, amen.